and welcome to the Not Your Type podcast, aimed to uplift and empower everyone in the diabetic community, from supporters to professionals, and of course, those living with it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Your Type podcast. I want to start off by sincerely apologizing for not having this episode done last week, like I had said I would, but we are now two weeks, just like normal, right on schedule, and back on our Type 1 Tuesday, so Getting that out of the way, I am extremely excited for this week's episode because it has a very special guest, my brother, Zach. If you listened to one of my update episodes called The Highs and the Lows, you know that shortly after winning Miss Iowa, which was a great high, we experienced a low in our family of my brother being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and it was a lot harder to manage and deal with than I expected. He moved to Texas only a few months ago, and having him out there all on his own while he's an adult was still a challenge. And knowing exactly what he's going through made it that much harder, especially as the younger sibling. So this episode is a very transparent and honest conversation about the similarities between our diagnosis, how it differs being 26 and diagnosed versus an 11-year-old in her first week of middle school, how he's managing when he is so far away from the rest of his family, but also the ways that he is still thriving and succeeding in his life, despite the obstacles that have been thrown his way just a few months ago. So if you are interested in hearing a diagnosis story, hearing how diabetes can impact the entire family unit and also impact more than one family member, keep listening because this is the episode for you. So thank you, Zach, for being a guest and for being so open and honest so soon after your diagnosis, and I hope you all enjoy. I am here with my brother, Zach. I'm really excited for this one. He's cheesing over here. And we're going to start by talking about his recent diagnosis. So, Zach, can you just recount your diagnosis story for us and share what happened? I basically had been feeling really crappy for... Uh, about a month or so and I had moved to Texas not long before and so it had been very hot too and so any kind of heat was just draining me Um, and I was just drinking tons of water and anything I could drink really Um, and then eventually got to the point where I couldn't keep my eyes open I anytime I got up even if I was inside in the air conditioning um, I felt super hot. And so I went to a, uh, walk-in clinic just to kind of see what was going on, see if I just had like the flu or something like that. And the first thing the doctor decided to do was check my blood sugar because of my family history. And it was at 486. So they decided to send me to the ER and, I spent the night there, basically just having them help bring it down and confirm that it was diabetes and and then went from there. I remember when I got the call from mom and I was in Minnesota, I was watching Miss Minnesota and she told me, hey, your brother's in the hospital. They think he has type one. His blood sugar's, you know, over 400. As someone who has gone through it, and has seen dad live with it and know exactly what it's like. It's not something 
despite all the work that I do for it. It's not anything I would ever wish on anyone, let alone the people I care about and especially my siblings. So it was really hard for me, especially knowing how far away you were and knowing that you had just moved months ago. Of course, the timing, it's like, of course, once you move away a few months yeah. later, your life just drastically changes. And fortunately, mom and dad were able to go down and see you, but it was still really hard for me feeling like I couldn't do anything. And I almost felt like I had to become the older sister, even though I'm the baby. So it was really hard for me. And sometimes it still is, but seeing you kind of take it all in and has been really amazing to see. Mm -hmm. I'm really proud of you. And I remember also, I remember that day when I called you to make sure you were feeling okay and they hadn't got you in yet. You just sounded so far away and distant. You didn't sound at all like yourself. You sounded like a stranger. It was the oddest thing. But I remember I told you that once you got insulin, you would feel better. And when I called you the next day, it was a 180 flip, flip of the switch. You oh, were, absolutely. You were back to yourself. And I was like, this is Zach. This is my brother. He sounds like himself again. So how did you feel before you finally got insulin versus after? So before, like really the only way I can explain it is I felt like I was dying. <laughs> like I, I felt like every amount of energy in me had been drained. I couldn't keep my eyes open. I, at the doctor's office, I was sweating and I had brought ice packs from home with me because I felt just so hot. And so I looked absolutely bananas in that waiting room with uh, ice packs all over me. Uh, I hadn't been able to eat much. And when I did would eat, I would throw it up. So I had like my eyes and face were kind of sunken. Um, I, I had lost almost 40 pounds in the time that I had been feeling crappy, which thankfully I've gained almost all of that back since the biggest thing I've noticed change wise from after now having insulin is my appetite. I've been so much hungrier, <laughs> like just night and day compared to how it was before uh, my diagnosis. It is crazy how insulin totally changes everything. And it's also interesting hearing your story compared to mine I feel like your story is more similar to dad's from what we've heard of it because mm -hmm. you were in DKA diabetic ketoacidosis you lost you were you were so gaunt the picture that I was sent of you in the hospital from Kaylin my sister-in-law <laughs> it was scary yeah I, I looked like a zombie you really did it was a little freaky because you're not a big guy anyway and to see you weigh so little and see every single rib outlined oh it was it still is very haunting to me yeah and just even in that picture like around my eyes how sunken they were like you you could see see the outline of like my orbital bones and everything <laughs> like it was it was i wouldn't wish that on anybody Obviously, we knew right away what it was when we were hearing mm. all about it and that the doctors were able to listen to us. But I want you to share what the doctors told you, because 
Another interesting difference about your story, which if you want to hear my diagnosis story, I have a whole episode on that called My Why. So your story is very different from mine. I want you to share a little bit about what the doctor said to you when you were in the waiting room or in the actual room getting diagnosed. The doctor had come in and I I was curious whether to know whether it was type one or two because I wasn't completely sure, purely because my diet before being diagnosed was not the greatest. I ate a lot of junk and sweet stuff. And so I asked asked him just out of curiosity, just so then I, I would know for the future. And he had told me, well, probably type two, because you can only get type one between ages one and five. And as soon as he said that, I, I, I kind of looked at him a little confused and I was like, well, my sister was 11 and my dad was 13. And then later when my wife, Kaylin, uh, asked him later that night, um, about whether it was type one or two, he said, well, it could be either or <laughs> given your family history. So he kind of changed his tune a little bit after I had mentioned that. And so I, I'm not completely sure how, how educated he was on diabetes because doctors have a lot that they have to understand. And so they don't, may not necessarily have that um, expertise in specific things or uh, diseases that like like diabetes type one or two. So it's great that you could kind of educate him a little bit in that way. But I think it's so interesting that point that you brought up that yes, there's a lot of things doctors have to manage and deal with, and we are so appreciative for them. However, if you have a diabetic patient, it would be nice to have a doctor that is maybe a little more familiar with diabetes. Yeah. Because when our dad had neck surgery, there were complications of them not letting him take the right amount of insulin. And with our grandmother, she wasn't allowed to wear an insulin pump when she's been in the hospital in her town. And that could be a whole other episode of <laughs> medical mishaps. Maybe that could be <laughs> yeah. total. But it's great that it was you that that happened to, because I can't imagine if it was someone who had no experience with diabetes and were being told this and then had to deal with a misdiagnosis. That could be detrimental. So it's fortunate that you were able to combat that and let them know. Well, like like you said, growing up with you and, and dad having type one, it a lot of it was kind of, I already had a good understanding of. And being able to get a hold of you or dad with any questions I do have has been amazing and extremely helpful because the the biggest thing for me was figuring out how much insulin I needed to take with meals or if I was hungry for like a snack and things like that because that that was the one thing I had zero idea about because I I understood how what like what a low and what a high was and especially growing up with dad like when when he would ha have like a, a really low sugar and I would have to call paramedics for him or uh, try and get him to drink juice or anything like that and so just just having you two as like support has been ridiculously helpful well and I think it helps us feel better knowing that we have that expertise in it with how far away you are because yeah. if 
none of us had diabetes and you were suddenly diagnosed as you moved away, it would have been even harder because you would have been out there alone. We wouldn't have yeah. had much help. So we're oddly lucky in that way. Yeah. I never would have thought I'd say we were lucky for having <laughs> four members in our family, including our grandmother, be diabetic. But it does give us a unique story to tell and a unique perspective <laughs> so we can help each other when we need it, which is something that not every family gets. So it's in a weird way, very special. You mentioned that you knew some of those things and that we're able to help you. How would you say your life has changed other than some of the obvious ones like counting carbs, taking insulin, and how hard has it been to get used to all of that to accommodate that into your normal life? The biggest thing getting used to has been um, mostly at work, like when I'm working, um, managing it and making sure that I take the right amount of insulin during my lunches and stuff like that because I want to still, I want to remain productive and don't want my blood sugar to cause any issues with my product productivity. Um, but the biggest change, like in my, the biggest change in my life so far with it has been my diet because I ate extremely poorly before. I ate a lot of ding dongs, hostess cupcakes, all that, all the time. Now, now I just eat so much better, which I needed to, regardless of whether I was diagnosed or not. But my diet has changed so much, and I've been feeling completely so much better, both with the insulin and because of my diet, I, I think. Well, something dad always says is, I'm the healthiest person I know, despite my diabetes. And yep. while it's not that we have to eat an extremely healthy diet, like some people with type two might have to, mm -hmm. when you know everything that's going into your body because of the carb counting and insulin ratios, you start to realize, oh, if I eat three Hostess cupcakes every day, that's a lot of carbs and a lot of insulin to take. Maybe it's not the best for me. And you start to do more digging into the nutritional information and how it's fueling your body because when your body is in tune so will your blood sugars and all in all it helps you feel better because nothing feels worse than a low blood sugar or a high blood sugar mm -hmm. so it all goes hand in hand even though yes we can technically eat whatever we want as long as we take the insulin for it we feel so much better and our diabetes will thank us for eating healthier so it's nice to hear that it's helping you take account of your health in other ways that it maybe didn't before. Another thing I wanted to talk about too is if we go back a little bit to when I was diagnosed, mom and dad actually had you do some of the trial net testing, the genetic testing to see if you had those genetic markers for diabetes. And as far as we knew, of course, this was over a decade ago, it came back normal you didn't have it and you didn't seem to have the genetic markers granted there are other markers aside from genetics that lead to diabetes can you tell us a little more about what that was like going through that testing and did it make it more of a shock when you were diagnosed I was kind of shocked with the diagnosis because after being non-diabetic for 26 years and then suddenly you're hey you have type one that's a big change when you when you're an adult already at that point 
because I I know with you you had spoke to me before about how um with you that you don't really remember all that much pre pre diagnosis, but for me it's kind of the reverse. <laughs> I I have to kind of change a lot of what I'm used to to to, to kind of better manage it, which which is good because of what I was eating before and everything. But, um, those, those trials, uh, I remember, uh, mom and I would go up to Iowa city every, I think it was three months. They would give me, uh, like the syrup, sugary syrup stuff, uh, that they usually give pregnant women for, for labor. And then they would draw blood and kind of see what the, what my blood sugar did over time. And then also, like you had said, those genetic markers. And every time they came back normal, and I did that for, I think, two years, that syrup stuff was disgusting. But other than that, it wasn't the worst thing. They just drew blood, which I had done blood drives before and all that all through high school. So that wasn't really anything new. I was recently in Florida for the Friends for Life conference, and it was I want to say a week and a half after your diagnosis and trial net was there. And it was interesting that they were doing screenings right then and there for supporters of diabetics or family members of diabetics who were interested to see if they had the markers for it. This is by no means saying trial net is false. It's just very interesting that over a decade, it can change relatively suddenly. So it's nice to know that maybe those types of screenings should be implemented more frequently and also more consistently so more families can be prepared if it does happen because we could have prevented you from going into DKA. We could have been there to help you knowing, oh, this is going to happen in a year or so. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's evolved over time as well. I can't imagine it stayed the same. But I want to fast forward again to you living with diabetes now. You were pretty much given a CGM almost right away, right? At your first real doctor's visit. Yeah, um, about, I want to say a week and a half, two weeks after being diagnosed, um, when I got to see my physician, who happened to be a diabetic educator, which is a huge plus, and I'm extremely fortunate to have lucked out into that, my physician being an educator. She had samples of the Dexcom G7 and gave me one at my doctor's visit to try out. And she said to give her a call after uh, a few days before it goes out so then I could be prescribed them. Compared to when I was using a glucometer prior to seeing her, it, it's so much easier to manage your your glucose and everything throughout the day at work especially i have my an apple watch paired to my phone and it right on the face of it when i look at the time it shows my blood sugar down towards the the base of of the screen so i'm able to without having to pull my phone out constantly i can just look at my watch and, and know where i'm at i didn't know you had an apple watch you're cooler than me and that see that's a difference from when I was diagnosed as well, because CGMs, if they were around, they were not very accessible or even talked about. I don't remember hearing anything about a CGM until I was in high school and I was diagnosed in sixth grade. You're almost sent home with one now when you're diagnosed. Whereas for me, it was 
the syringe, the vial of insulin, learning how to give myself injections and learning how to do finger pricks and managing that. So I did that for, gosh, six years. I didn't get a CGM until I was about 18 and I was off to college. Yeah. Um, a lot of my coworkers have been very interested in learning about diabetes after my diagnosis. Um, a lot of them have been asking questions about insulin, taking insulin, um, checking blood sugars, what it feels like when I have a high or low sugar. And just in general, they've been very supportive. Also, like if I, if it's, I haven't taken lunch yet for the day, they'll come up and and find me and be like, Hey, what's your blood sugar at? Do you need to go eat? And just kind of checking in on me and being very, very sweet about it. <laughs> I'm glad they're supportive and they actually understand a little bit about it because that also was not my experience when I was diagnosed, but it was also a very different time in my life because I was <laughs> with middle schoolers, which everyone knows is the best time in everyone's life. <laughs> so it's very different living with it at that age for many reasons you also don't you have the blessing of not having to go through it during puberty <laughs> yeah I, that was, I will say I'm blessed for that as we start to kind of wrap up I just have one more big question before a lightning round do you mm -hmm. have any advice that you want to give to people who are newly diagnosed like you or are thinking they might be exhibiting symptoms of type one the biggest thing is if for that i would say is if you're suddenly thirsty nonstop for a week <laughs> after for seemingly no reason i would definitely either get a glucometer and start monitoring your blood sugars or go see a doctor because that should have been a telltale sign for me because of how much i, I was drinking four or five bottles of water in the middle of the night. Just, I, I figured since I'm, I moved to Texas that it would, was the heat and that I was just hot and dehydrated when it went on for weeks at a time. And I started peeing all the time. I, I would go use the restroom and five minutes later, I felt like I could barely hold it again. It, that should have been a pretty obvious sign to me especially growing up around constantly being monitored for diabetes that I should have gone to the doc doctor much earlier. Post-diagnosis, the biggest thing I would say is just find somebody that, that you know that either has a family member or um, someone that you know personally that already ha is diagnosed with diabetes and try and have them kind of be like your coach almost, a lot like how you've been for me you and dad just because any type of little question being able to reach out and ask somebody you're comfortable with that has had experience with it has been exponentially helpful to me and i i don't like being able to to talk to you at any time shooting a text a call getting an answer it it, it helps so much more than trying to get a hold of a doctor look it up online where you're going to get 10 different types of answers or like we discussed earlier with the doctors they may not be that specialized in, in type 1 or even type 2 and so they may not have the best information for you whereas someone that's lived with it would would tell you because they'll give you a much better much clearer and more expertise uh advice than than what you may otherwise get 
Whenever you call and say, oh, if I'm eating this many carbs and I'm supposed to take this amount, but it's in between, how much insulin should I take? Or my blood sugar is here, what should I do? It feels like I get to be the big sibling. (laughs) (laughs) But it also brings me peace of mind knowing that I can help in any way, even though I couldn't be there with you in person. It is kind of nice, again, to share that experience with someone and have someone who gets it help you. Yeah, the biggest thing pre-diagnosis is know your body. Know what it's trying to tell you. Don't ignore it. If Even if you're questioning if it's the smallest thing, it is so much better to get it checked out and have it be confirmed than something going drastically wrong. Before we go, I'm going to do a lightning round, which is just fast questions to ask you. I've been doing it with my guests recently. All right. So number one, what's your favorite low-carb snack? Oh, my my new favorite, which I've never really eaten them prior to being diagnosed, has been pork rinds. Ew. And I have, I have been loving them. <laughs> How many carbs are there in pork rinds? Slightly over one gram per per serving. And that's oh, wow. that's it. <laughs> I didn't realize and, it's that low carb. And that's just for the flavored ones. Um, I I think the regular ones are zero carbs, like the without any flavoring. But yeah, I've I've also been eating a rind. lot of jerky too. But that that isn't something as, as new. And what's your favorite low blood sugar snack? I know you haven't had very many lows yet, but I know you've had one before at least. I have been really liking, um, uh, I have these mini Rice Krispie treats, and I've been having those, or um, the Quaker Oats rice cakes with some cream cheese on it. Those have been pretty, pretty sweet. I've been digging those. You've already kind of answered this, but CGM or finger pricks? CGM, <laughs> by, by a lot. <laughs> I figured as much. And last one, who's your favorite sister? Well, Nessie, our parents' dog, is pretty cool, but I'm going to have to go with you. I really (laughs) thought you were going to say Nessie for a second. I was going to be so offended. No, definitely definitely you. Well, thanks. I am your only sister by by blood and by species. So (laughs) one more lightning round question. Who's your new dog? My new dog is a 10-week-old German shepherd named Ozzy. Ozzy Posborn. And he has just been chilling here, laying with me for most of this podcast, uh, if he's not playing with his big brother. Oh, my gosh. And are you going to train him to be a diabetes dog? I'm actually hoping to. uh, Kaylin, my wife, was going to look into it and kind of see what the process would be for it, because he's showing that he's really well behaved and very, I guess, obedient, very well behaved, listens really well. And so we want to start early with it and maybe see if there's um, a place near us where we can kind of get him trained to be like a service dog to detect low lows. So especially in the middle of the night with me being as heavy a sleeper as I am, having a big dog be able to wake me up either by barking or nudging me, putting his cold nose on me or something to, to wake me up and to take care of it would be more than ideal. Plus, it's an excuse to take my dog with me anywhere I go. <laughs> well, and he's so cute. Maybe in the post, I'll put a picture of him. He's the cutest little thing right now. 
Well, thank you for being a very special podcast guest. I'm excited for people to hear this and hear the perspective of someone who's diagnosed in their adulthood and also just hear someone that I care about a lot. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Thank you so much to my brother. I am eternally grateful to have him as my older brother and to get to now mentor him in this new space he's navigating while also collaborating and working together to keep each other accountable for our diabetes. We are so excited to have you in this community, Zach. And everyone listening, make sure you welcome him with open arms because despite everything, he is so excited to be joining all of us. If you or someone you know and love is exhibiting symptoms of type 1 diabetes or you even think they might be symptoms of diabetes, please check out the resources in the show notes. So keep your eyes peeled for the symptoms, always listen to your body, and know that no matter what, you can get through it just like Zach and I. Until next time.